Hello? <laughs> Welcome to the Dellingpod with me, James Dellingpole. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I really am. Look who I've got here. Back for I don't know how many times now. Clive de Carl. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, before we go on, I thought I'd do something slightly different. I'm going to say a prayer, and I don't want the non-Christians among you to be freaked out by this or to feel that you've got to assume solemn expressions or anything like that, because I don't really believe in that kind of thing. I think that's probably one of the enemies of Christianity, people sort of being, being too pious. But nevertheless, I would like to um, say a, 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 a quick prayer. And my prayer would go like this. Almighty God, thank you so much for bringing us all together tonight. Such lovely, lovely people, some of whom I've met already and some of whom I'm really looking forward to meet, possibly again. I love you all, so really thank you for coming. And thank you, God, for giving us this totally amazing planet which the, uh, your adversary and his minions are currently in the business of trying to destroy. Thank you for giving us all the amazing animals on the planet, the wildlife that we go and see on safaris, if we're lucky enough, and the delicious animals you've given us to eat as part of our carnivore diets. Thank you for those, God. Thank you for the foxes you've given us to hunt. Thank you for inventing the horse, which I think is almost your greatest creation. But thank you more specifically to tonight. Thank you for giving us all the plants containing these magical ingredients which can heal us. Thank you for giving us all the minerals that can heal us, which are much, much better than anything that the evil people at Big Pharma have to offer us, because that's just a kind of alternative to, the, to your creation, synthetics, and they are the sign of the devil. And finally, I would like to ask your help, God, because you can do anything, because you created this world after all, and you made us all in your own image. Please, everyone here who's suffering from some kind of medical complaint and is feeling ill in some way, please can you help their immune systems, uh, let them recover? And please also, can you grant miraculous things so that people with problems here go home suddenly feeling much, much better? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Um, Clive, I, I, there's, there's loads of stuff I want to talk to you about, um, but mainly I want it to be centred around me because um, I, know, I know me and my problems. So, um, first of all, I want to say thank you to you because, uh, as you know, occasionally I, I send you a, a message on Skype, which is your preferred means of communication, saying, Clive, I've got this, I've got this new problem, um, what do I do? And I, I, I approached you the other day with this kind of eye infection thing um, and actually I managed to cure it. Do you know how I cured it in the end? Colloidal silver? I used Clive de Carl's colloidal silver and this is what I wanted to ask you about. Um, 
And everyone in this room has had this experience. There were all these alternative remedies. I mean, we call them alternative. They shouldn't be able to alternative. They should be the remedies because they're the alternative to big pharma, which is horrible. Um, but some things work for, for each one of us, and some things like uh, meh. And colloidal silver really, really worked for me. But why is it that some of the things that work for some people don't work for others? Well, I, I think basically all of us are toxically poisoned, emotionally, physically. All of us are nutrient deficient, including myself. No matter how well all of us try to eat, we're going to be deficient in various nutrients, and you only need to be deficient in one for something serious to break in the body, really. Yeah. One of the things that we need to do is to uh, really look deeply at ourselves. And wh when I left home, uh, I told my girlfriend that uh, she should embrace her mistakes. So she looked at me and gave me a hug. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's not a vanity thing, is it? It's not, it's not an indulgence. I think my wife sometimes has a go at me saying she thinks it's decadent to obsess about one's diet. But I'm thinking, if you're ill, on some level. You can't do all the things that, that make life worth living. Well, she's right. Um, but you don't want to, I mean, clearly we need to be eating really healthily. I mean, there's a great story, maybe you've heard it, about this woman who knocks on the door of this house and she's got a horse with her and a baby and says, look, I've got to do something urgently. Would you mind looking after the horse and the baby you know, for a couple of hours? They're, they're hungry, by the way. Would you mind feeding them? By the way, the horse is a 40 million pound racehorse and the baby is probably worth more than that. So what would you do? You've got to feed them. Well, you could think, well, okay, I could probably feed them both a banana, a carrot, you know, a cucumber, we could oats, you know, something that both the baby and the horse will eat. So, okay, so you've got to feed these two. You've decided on what to feed them. How much poison do you want to put in the food for the baby and the horse? I mean, 5% poison, 1% or naught. So every time you go to the shops and you buy something that's not organic or biodynamic or grown naturally, you are poisoning yourself and your family. And this just has to stop. You've got to look at every single thing you buy and think how much poison is in here. Um, you know, I, I shop mainly at Waitrose. It's the only organic place I've got around. And shopping's now so easy because I know where all the organic stuff is. So it's, it's really quick to shop. I haven't got to choose. And in the event of some apocalypse, the very last stuff on the shelves left will be the organic stuff, so I'm not at all worried. <laughs> as, as you probably know, because I keep boring on about it, um, I'm currently attempting a, a, a keto diet. And because I can't be asked to do all the measuring of the, you know, the stuff, the measuring stuff you have to do, I just tend to eat the meat and the cheese and stuff that I know is, is, is okay. Why are you on a keto diet? Because, you know, the thing that I've, I've persuaded myself is Lyme disease, but maybe, you know, it's a chronic autoimmune disease, and I'm, I, I, I'm trying to kind of scare it out of existence. I don't believe in autoimmune. Oh, right. oh, oh good, right, okay. But they told me when I got arthritis that it was an autoimmune disease, as if your body would fight against you. I don't believe that. I think believe your body's always on your side, and when, when the doctors say it's autoimmune, I think that basically means we don't know what it is, therefore it's your fault, uh, which doctors love to do. If they can't find the answer, it's your fault. Um, I mean, I think the keto diet is a very, very good diet to follow, but not, it's not right for everybody because some people actually need carbohydrates as 
you know, an important thing, others much less. So you know, the keto diet is great, but if somebody's really thin, is a keto diet the right way to go, just like a vegan diet is the right way to go? Who's he looking at? Oh, I'm not thin. So cut to the chase, what am, what am I, what am I going to drink? Water, tequila, gin. Uh, what do you like? I mean, you stop, I, I stopped at a pub and I looked for, for a suitable stuff to eat and there's virtually nothing apart from a burger. And it was like 16 quid or 18 quid for this, for this burger and it came, it came surrounded by all this crap that I, that I couldn't eat. And I looked at the chips and you know, my, my old self wanted to eat a chip. I suppose what I'm asking you is, how much can you cheat with, you know, I mean, how bad is a chip, or how bad are two chips, or three chips, or four chips? I think it depends if you've made them yourself. I mean, the problem with well, chips... In the pub, obviously not. No. So, you know, the, the problem with eating out is they're bound to use vegetable oils, and sunflower oil, you know, corn oil, whatever, they're all basically poisonous unless they say organic first pressing on it and cold pressed. So all the bottles you buy in the supermarket are generally highly adulterated. I used to have an organic farm 30 years ago out in Spain and we grew olives amongst other things. So I started researching the organic olive oil market and it turns out that Italy, for example, export 10 times more organic olive oil than they actually grow. But you know, when they process, let's say, sunflower oil, they heat it up to a high, very high temperature so all the oil can come out of the seeds. And in that process, they mechanically crush the, the seeds to get the oil out and heat it. So all the oils that we're getting in the supermarket are generally rancid. So you go out and eat. Are you going to feel well afterwards? Well, no, because your brain is made of cholesterol. So if you start eating refined oils or margarines or those sort of butters that have got that soft spread, they've got oil in them, uh, you are rebuilding your brain with an artificial f form of fat. And everybody who used to follow the diet which suggested that low fat is a good idea, they're the ones now who've got dementia because they've got holes like Swiss cheese where their brain used to be. But you can grow your brains back. If, if any of you know anybody who's beginning to suffer from dementia or Alzheimer's, you can get their brains back. There are some fantastic books on the subject, but the first thing to realize is your brain's made of fat, so you need to eat lots of it. I first realized this about 15 years ago, and I was at a talk one time, and this woman said, I haven't been able to speak to my mother on the phone for two years now because she's so demented I can't get through. And I suggested she gave her mother six tablespoonfuls of coconut oil a day with the idea that that would rebuild her brain. A few weeks later, she rings me up and says, I'm speaking to mum on the phone again. I couldn't get six tablespoons in, but I did manage to get a tablespoon in the porridge or whatever it was in the morning, and then three more tablespoonfuls in the food. And in, in I can't remember how many weeks, but let's say 10 weeks, she'd got her brain back two years worth. So it is possible. I mean, that's not the only thing, but that's the big one. Right, but obviously we don't all live next to an organic, I mean, I, I like the coconut oil cheese, because coconuts, I mean, you can get it at Aldi for like nothing. Is that, is that Aldi stuff okay, by the way? Yeah, I pronounce it differently. I pronounce it all dye. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> does, does that answer my question? Are you, say, are you saying that it, it's, it's not actually, because it says cold pressed. 
No, it could, it could be fine. Uh, I went into to Aldi years ago with a camera, and the idea was, could I find any food that was actually real and not in some way dodgy? I couldn't. They threw me out. Oh, no. Because Aldi's my go-to place for my steaks. Well, uh, do they do... No? Or, do... no? Is, that, is that wrong? You see, we're all imperfect, aren't we? I, I mean... <laughs> There's always somebody further down the, the rabbit hole than you. That's the problem. Look at the A. Oh, okay. So they, do, they, do they sacrifice them to Satan, like sort of halal devil worship stuff? Is that what it's like? Right, okay, okay. But what I was going to say was, those of us who don't have continual access to organic food... Is there a kind of hierarchy of evil? I do, just like what are acceptable cheats and what are kind of absolute no-nos? I mean, is are seed oils the worst, or is is sugar higher up the pyramid of evil? I, I think they're probably both about the same level, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I I cheat from time to time, but I try and cheat on organic things as opposed to cheat on non-organic things. I mean, I'm a bit of a stickler for it. Yes, I've eaten dinner here tonight. But what I'm going to do uh, when I go home is I'm going to drink some Fulvic Minerals. So Fulvic Minerals, F-U-L-V-I-C, Fulvic Minerals detoxify things like glyphosate. They de detoxify things like graphene oxide. Pretty much uh, every toxin can be neutralized with various things. Fulvic Minerals possibly number one. Vitamin C is incredible for taking toxic metals and poisoning out of the body. Charcoal is brilliant. That there are a load of things one can do if you have eaten badly uh, to correct it. Lots and lots of things. That's my favourite thing you said so far. Um, <laughs> because no, because I, I, I think we're all looking. We're, we're all flawed, and we're all looking for cheats. I mean, like the other day, I told you about my botaco breathing, which is I, I, I've, I've tried every alternative thing under the sun. And definitely I would put Bateco very high up on the, on the things that really work. But it's absolute hell to do. Because what it does is it, is, is it triggers in your, in your brain the thing that makes you think you're suffocating. Because you're building up the CO2 levels. And the CO2 has that effect. It, it, it triggers the thing in your, in your head. And you don't like it. And it's really nasty. And you said, hmm, I wonder what we can do that would sort of recreate that. So you're, you're up for cheats, aren't you? Oh, well, you know, we were taught at school that cheating is bad, cheating is wrong, but that's absolute rubbish. Cheating is really, really useful. I, you know, I want to, I mean, you know, in a nice way, not cheating somebody, but finding the quick routes to something is perfect, so I'm all for cheating. Okay, so we've got fulvic minerals, um, and we've got the vitamin C powder. Uh, what else? What are, what are the other, other things for undoing the damage we've done? you know, through going, having a burger in a pub on the way here. <laughs> Let me come at it another way. Um, did, do you know that in the Japanese language they have no word for menopause? The reason why is they have so much iodine in all the seaweed and sea fish they eat that menopause basically doesn't happen. They don't get the hot flushes. Uh, the Jap Japanese women very seldom get breast cancer because iodine protects them against that. So 
iodine is one of the materials you can use to detoxify. Let's say that you, in the burger, there was a parasite, for example. What? <laughs> what? You could have warned me, Clive. Well, uh, there was, wasn't in the one you ate, but there just could be in another one. So um, every 15 minutes or so, all the blood passes through the thyroid, which is the major place where iodine exists. And as the blood passes through the thyroid, if you've got enough iodine, it will wipe out pretty much any pathogen that exists. So how many of us have enough iodine? Almost nobody. Almost nobody. And if you're low on iodine, the symptoms you might experience could be foggy thinking, you know, brain fog, could be temperature out of control, cold hands and feet or hot flushes, whatever. It could be that you walk in a room and you can't remember why you walked in. Um, so if any of you have got any of those, dry skin, thyroid issues, memory problems, you're almost certainly low on iodine. And the people who start taking iodine, generally within a few days, maybe a couple of weeks or so, they notice that their brain comes back. Now, iodine is the basis of, of hormones, just like cholesterol is, why they're so important. In women, while you know, men and women, the most iodine is in the thyroid, the second most is in the breasts, which explains why uh, iodine can, and I spell cancer with a K for legal reasons, will stop breast cancer. I've, people paint it on. Uh, iodine is incredible for a basic detoxification. It used to be what every doctor would recommend, like 150 years ago. If you came to the GP and they didn't know what was wrong with you, they'd just give you iodine because it would fix your temperature. So if your temperature was low, for instance, your temperature would normalize, and now you'd be able to burn off pathogens in a more sensible way. Then. I mean, the other things that we're really missing, who gets enough vitamin C? Almost nobody, because vitamin C, all the vitamins deteriorate with time. So, you know, let's say you've got a, a tomato, which might be full of vitamin C. By the time it's landed in the country, in the warehouse, in the supermarket, and on, on, in your kitchen, it might be a week old. And so probably the vitamin C content has gone down enormously. So if you are getting toxic poisoning from the burger, Vitamin C is one of the many things that would help mop that up. And what about the stuff that you can just take that, like, is miraculous? Like, is MMS as good as it's cracked up to be? MMS is sodium chloride and an acid, and it's one of the cheapest, again, I spell this for the K, cures in the world. You know, nobody's allowed to cure anything. Only doctors are allowed to do that legally. Two years in jail if you... Uh, cure somebody of cancer, for instance, without permission. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, and and how, how long does this go back to? 1939 was the UK Cancer Act, where they said only doctors can cure cancer. And you know, it's a monopoly. It's just like dentists. You know, den dentists have a mon monopoly. Nobody's allowed to work on your mouth if they haven't been licensed by the government. Yeah, I, should, I think we should look into that, 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 that cancer thing in a bit more detail. Cancer with a K, of course. Because if you look at, look at the things that, why does everyone worship? Why, why is the, the, the NHS, our national, sorry, our NHS, why is, it, why is it the national religion? 
It's basically because everyone is shit scared of getting cancer, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's the deal. Every, everyone, and the reason they think that is because they read the newspapers and every day there is a story about my battle with cancer. There, or they watch the soaps, uh, 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 their soap opera, and somebody is dying of cancer, dying tragedi tragically of, 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 of cancer. Uh, or or we, we, we hear about, we read in, in the alleged health sections about the, the ways we can avoid getting cancer, except they're, they're, they're ineffective, of course. But we, most of us here know, probably all of us, except, there, is anyone Team Tobes here? <laughs> okay, good. Everyone here knows that, that, that the world is a conspiracy to make us ill, that the people responsible were Rockefeller and Carnegie when they invented modern medicine, i.e. allopathic medicine, to push their petroleum products while simultaneously making us iller to require... I mean, great business model. You've got to, you've got to respect them for it. But presumably they were, they were the people, for example, that that cajoled our government in 1939 to passing the Cancer Act. What, just tell me about the, the terms of that. What is, what's the deal? Well, uh, basically it just says nobody can cure cancer unless you're a medical doctor, but it doesn't apply in Northern Ireland. So about, when I discovered this about 15 years ago, I phoned up my legal advisor and said, look, let's set up a, cl a clinic in Northern Ireland. Uh, you know, it's legal. He said, well, yes, it's absolutely legal, but do you like living? And, and this is the problem. I mean, it's a massive money maker, the cancer industry. You know, the average round of ke chemotherapy could be £50,000. And some people have like 12 rounds of chemotherapy, more. It is a total con. And I believe we're self-repairing beings. And that if we put in the right materials, the right nutrition, and get the toxins out, then we should be happy and healthy, full stop. You know, most people are ill because they're poisoning themselves, basically. And of course, people are also ill from mental torment. You know, they've been told that they're useless, they can't do anything, or they've been told, oh, you've got this disease, you'll never recover. Every Whatever people believe tends to happen. So I think it's very important to have real belief in your body's ability to repair itself and watch out that you don't poison yourself. I mean, for instance, how many people use shampoo? Now, you get in the shower or the bath and the pores of your head open, open wide with the heat and you're rubbing, conceivably, poisons right into your brain. You know, we are all poisoning ourselves, often without thinking about it. And we really need to be careful because I, you know, my job is seeing people who aren't well. And there are, there are lots of them. It's incredible. Um, and there's just no need. We, we can be healthy. Do you reckon that's why I'm awake? because I haven't used shampoo for 10 years. That's the reason, yeah. Wow. Who else doesn't use shampoo? It's, it, it's really good, isn't it? When, when you go, once you pass that stage where your hair goes, goes greasy and you pass that and all the natural oils... Well, I mean, you know, not that I'm exactly... <laughs> don't really need it much anyway. Tell you who else doesn't use um, shampoo. Toby Young. Yeah. Fact, fact, but it hasn't made him awake. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I can imagine that, that, that shampoo, deodorant, I bet, is a real full of, full of bad shit. Well, uh, that's an interesting subject because, I mean, 
Deodorant is usually f full of shit. It's really not, not, not a safe thing to do. Even the natural ones are often just a natural form of aluminium that occurs you know, in, in the ground. So I wouldn't use any of them. If you actually need uh, something to stop your body smelling, this is saying there's something wrong with your body. You know, for 24 hours, you can sweat as much as you like. It should be, should be fine. But you know, people who go to the loo and it smells, feet that smell, underarms that smell, this, this is you rotting inside. Except, have you thought, um, one of the reasons I don't want to go back in time, I mean, obviously I'd love to live in the 18th century as a hunting parson in an agreeable sort of Queen Anne vicarage uh, with a private income and stuff. So I can see lots to be recommended for going back in time. But didn't everyone really smell? I mean, they, 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 they obviously they didn't have deodorants. Um, but did, did they, if you don't wash like they didn't, I'm presuming. Do you smell a lot or, or actually do you not smell? Well, while I'm old, I'm not that old to remember, uh, you know, I wasn't able to smell them at the time. But I mean, people shouldn't smell. You know, um, I had a guy the other day who explained to me he was on day 13 of a fast. And he said, you know, the funny thing was, I was still going to the loo for the first eight days. And I suggested that he was backed up eight days. And so even if you're going regularly every day, it doesn't mean that it's today's that's coming out. So um, the longest I'd ever heard of some, somebody with constipation was 26 days. You'd think they'd explode, but, but didn't. Whoa. So uh, you know, the thing is that most people aren't having regular bowel movements, and it's really, really important to get your bowels working properly. And the two things to do that, generally speaking, are magnesium and vitamin C. I would say that almost everybody in this room is going to be low on magnesium because of, for one thing, the stress. You know, when we get stressed, our bodies burn up our magnesium supply. So if you're running low on magnesium, you might be low on energy, you might be getting muscle cramps, menstrual cramps, you might be getting twitches around the eyes, you might be constipated, you might get heart arrhythmia, you might uh, get restless leg. When you wake up in the morning, you're your legs might go into a cramp, your feet into a cramp, um, migraines, headaches, uh, depression. You know, almost every, everything you can think of is under the magnesium banner. So lots of people take magnesium, but generally speaking, they take the stuff you find in the supermarket or that Dutch company on, on the high street. Um, and they generally sell you the wrong type of magnesium. If you get the right type of magnesium, then some people need 12 capsules a day, not one, not two. Now, um, I've had people who've been suicidal. Uh, 24 capsules later, in less than 24 hours, no longer suicidal. I've had people who've had heart arrhythmia, where their heart suddenly races or beats out of rhythm. Had that for 10, 20 years, within one day, stopped. Uh, all sorts of heart problems are magnesium-related. Magnesium is the mineral that allows relaxation. So if we get stressed, we burn through our magnesium, and then all those, one or more of those symptoms can happen. Could I just start ask you to put your hand up? If you've got any of those symptoms, could you put your hand up? Hiccups are included. Ah, well, fairly awake audience, because not many of you have got the symptoms. 
but if you have got any of those symptoms, magnesium of the right type can fix it instantly. You know, 38 years ago, I was hospitalized after taking an antibiotic. I'd become type 1 diabetic and rheumatoid arthritis. I had so, so the arthritis was so bad that eventually it put me in hospital because I could no longer get dressed. I couldn't walk anymore. And they said, well, we can give you drugs for that. And I explained I wasn't low on drugs. The drug deficiency <laughs> was not my issue. <laughs> and after weeks and weeks, and I was really getting worse and worse, I, although I, couldn't, I didn't have the strength to hold a book, I could turn the pages with a book prop. And I worked out I was low on magnesium and one or two other things. And I got wheeled out of hospital in a wheelchair, started taking magnesium, vitamin C, a few things, and all the rheumatoid arthritis went away completely. So I started teaching people what I'd learned and the fact that doctors don't study health. You know, when we lose our health, we might go to a doctor, but they don't do health. There's not one day spent on what is health, what is a cure, how do you get cures. You know, they go straight to drugs, surgery and radiation. And I see people going to the doctor all the time for something that's trivial, something that just needs a slight adjustment in the diet, stop drinking water straight from the tap. Um, if I could add one thing, I made a video a couple of months ago where I got three glasses, three glasses of tap water. And in the first glass, I put a couple of drops of chlorine indicator drops. That's what you test in a swimming pool to make sure it's got enough chlorine in, goes green. Then in the second glass, I put my fingers in, stirred it around for about five seconds, put the chlorine indicator drops in, no chlorine. Third glass, I got a piece of raw potato, stirred it around in the glass for about three seconds, took it out, chlorine indicator drops, no chlorine left in the water. Where had the chlorine gone? I can only assume it went right into my fingers. So if you're having a bath or a shower or cooking, or drinking fluids with unfiltered water with chlorine in it, you've got to realize that you're getting it. Right? Oh, it is, I, I was shocked. I swim and my every, every day I go for a swim um, and then I come out and have a shower and I have a cold shower for the time it takes me to, so I've, I've added to my list, I do Psalm 144. Um, <laughs> Psalm um, uh, 121 and Psalm 23, a short one at the end. Uh, and I think I'm doing myself good, but you're saying I'm actually poisoning myself with um, evil water. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, do, I, I think we just should give up, shouldn't we? We're, it's, we're fighting a losing battle. A couple of questions um, from what you were saying earlier on. Um, so, so magnesium is good for the things you say it was for. A question for the ladies. Um, which is the one that gives your loved one stonking erections? Is that, is that zinc? Okay. Uh, 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 zinc and selenium are the things that men lose when they ejaculate. So uh, with unprotective sex, women are fine for zinc and selenium, but the men aren't. And anybody with a prostate issue might want to consider that they may be low on zinc and selenium. I've been using your selenium, and it tastes bloody weird. It tastes horrible. Yeah, it's like, like a sort of mixture of sort of dog poo. Well, not that they eat dog poo, obviously, but 
what, what, what does it taste like? It's, it, it, it's, it's brown. Have you, has anyone, anyone tried Clive's selenium? It's, uh, yeah, I, it's, weird, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's quite unpleasant to, uh, to take. However, the effects are mind-blowing. Um, pretty much everybody is low on selenium, just like they're low on almost everything. Some areas of soil just don't have any in anymore because it's been wiped out by modern farming methods. So I've had people who've been, for instance, on ADHD medication for like 20 years, in three days off, no, and they've tried hundreds of times before to come off, they never can, but with selenium they can. And the reason selenium works the way it does, um, and I'm talking about a particular version of selenium, which is in liquid form rather than capsules, is that it turns off antitoxins. So let's say somebody is an alcoholic or they're on heroin, methadone, some prescription drugs, something nasty, and they can't get off. Each time they try, they can't get off. Now what they tend to think is, let's say an alcoholic, well, I've stopped the booze, now I feel terrible. It's the lack of booze. No, this is, this is the, the misconception. What it is, if you put in a toxin every day, alcohol, heroin, whatever it is, your body will make antitoxins to try and help you. So if you stop the toxin, the alcohol for instance, suddenly now they've got the DTs, they've got you know, delirium tremors, they're having a horrible time, heroin addicts even worse, methadone addicts even worse than that. And they think it's the lack of heroin, the lack of alcohol, the lack of methadone. No, it's not. It's the fact that their body has been making antitoxins to help cope with the toxins and the body hasn't worked out that you've stopped putting the toxins in. For a, so for a few days, it's making the antitoxins which are making you feel ill, but selenium in liquid form turns off the antitoxins so that people who want to give up some substance can stop almost just like that, but it's a dosage thing. With the liquid selenium, you need maybe one drop every two or three days. But if you're trying to get over a serious addiction, you might want between eight and 20 drops every day for maybe three days. And I've seen people uh, give up alcohol. I've seen people whose hair color has grown back, hasn't worked with me. But loads of people are getting results with selenium across the board. Everybody with fib fibromyalgia is low on selenium. All of them, just like all type 2 diabetics, are low on niacinamide, vitamin B3. There are some things that are so simple to fix, it's outrageous. And, and if I just say swimming, swimming in a swimming pool, take iodine beforehand and afterwards. That'll sort you out. Thank you for that. And I don't believe that's strong enough to cope with the bloody um, whirlpool jacuzzi thing, which is just so toxic. It's like... Every time I go, it's like swimming in battery acid laced with cat piss. It's nice. I can see yeah. why you do it. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't. I've, I've, stopped, I've stopped using it. By the way, hands up who is, has got a serious heroin problem who's going to be solved by... <laughs> well, thank you for that one, Clive. Now, when I asked you about MMS, you, you, you kind of went straight forward to the money shot, which is, which is K, you know, the cancer with a K, which we'll come to in a moment. But, so, are you, are you saying that MMS really is the thing, I mean, it, it is as good as they say. Because I mean, I've got some at home, but I haven't, been, I haven't been bothered to use it because you've got to take it every half hour, is it, or hour, and it's all complicated and... 
tell, tell us about, can you, is it possible to use MMS conveniently and cure an amazing amount of stuff? Yes. So you can buy MMS as water purifier uh, on Amazon and so on. Uh, there's a company which I think is called, I think, Life Force, who sell it. And it comes in two parts, the two bottles. One is basically sodium chloride and the other is an acid like hydrochloric acid or lemon juice or something like that. You mix the two together and within three minutes you can smell chlorine coming off because it's uh, created chlorine dioxide. Chlorine dioxide sounds scary, but it's different to household bleach chlorine. And um, I used to use MMS all the time. I used to like to go to festivals because people knew who I was. Often people would come in pain, you know, toothache, whatever. And I'd give them MMS to swish around in their mouth if they had a toothache and then spit it out. They get them to do that every hour. And generally speaking, within a few hours, the toothache was gone. Um, MMS is, was first discovered as a, a cure for malaria and very, very effective cure for malaria. It costs pennies, relatively, and, um, but you do need to know how to use it. When I first started using it about 15 years ago, at that point they said build up to 60 drops a day. I got up to about 16, if I remember rightly, and felt terrible. And now they've changed the instructions to take one drop every hour or half an hour or so. And um, thousands of autistic children are no longer autistic, having taken MMS. Um, it, it, it's a cure for everything. It's basically an oxidant as opposed to an antioxidant. So an antioxidant, uh, you, you, you create antioxidants when you do exercise, um, as, a, as an example, but a pro-oxidant like MMS has to be taken at the other end of the day to an antioxidant like vitamin C. So it's important if you're going to use MMS to know how to use it. It's, it is an incredible remedy and they've banned it almost everywhere. Um, I know people who have been basically thrown in jail for it, um, for using it. Whoa. So is it so good that actually you can ignore all the other stuff and just eat what you no. want? No. No. Why not? I mean, I use MMS as the emergency ultimate remedy. I don't use it uh, unless I really have to, because there are other materials that you can use which I think are easier, more pleasant. Well, so, so, so you do agree that it, it's, it's quite a hassle to use? Because I mean, I, I've, I've read that you've got to mix it. Each batch, every hour, you have to mix it fresh, which, which is a pain, surely. Well, no, it's not, not a pain. You, you, you've got a glass of water, you, you put a, one drop in, of each of the two bottles, and that's it. It's not difficult. And can you mix it with food and stuff? Do you have to, do you have, to have it either side of food or something? Um, I imagine you can. I don't think it would matter. And what about that blue stuff that you've, you've sent me, which I haven't tried yet? Methylene blue. Methylene blue was invented as a blue dye in about 1850 or something like that. And of course, blue dyes were incredibly rare and incredibly expensive. So it was a massive discovery. And then microscopy started and people wanted to stain the samples in their slides and they noticed when they use methylene blue to dye the samples if it was a live pathogen a bacteria or a fungus or whatever it would die immediately so they started realizing that methylene blue is a great antifungal and there is a huge line of thought which goes that all cancers are, are fun fungal infections which is why things like bicarbonate of soda can work. 
But methylene blue started being used as an anti-malarial and probably even today it may be the best anti-malarial that's out there along with MMS. And um, so it's been rediscovered, if you like, in the last, you know, last few years where it's been around for 200 or something. And it is reversing dementia, Alzheimer's, cancer. Uh, it's a nootropic, so it boosts your brain function. I'm sure people who've tried it may have noticed that their brain's working better. It's an amazing product, just amazing, and they don't want you to know about it, like all the things we're talking about, really. They don't want you to know. And you can amuse people by it because it is blue, and you add it to water and drink it, and you know, it's the same color as a slush puppy or something. It's quite disturbing, and a lot of people don't like it. And you know when you take enough, basically because you turns blue, which is also a little strange, and your tongue if you're not diluting it enough. Um, how, how quickly does it, if I have some now, will it, will I, will my performance, will I ask better questions? You might, you might. Wow. So, uh, some people notice it right away. Is that open? Should we, should we try? Uh, uh, you, you, should, we, should we see what we're <laughs> Whoa, you wait till the questions I'm going to ask in a moment. Yeah, you just, I'll just open the, yeah, uh, okay. the thing. That's exciting. Um, good. It's very pretty. Yeah. I'm going to drink it now. Good luck. In, in, in one go. All right, watch. Mm. Nobody's ever done this before. Wow. Wow. I have seen God. <laughs> it's amazing. Right, Clive. You wait till I ask this question. Wow. No. I know, that, I know that some people in this room have got, got cancer, and I kind of want them to not have it. I really do. I want them to be well again. Okay, so you go to your doctor, if you're foolish enough to, to still trust your doctor, and he says, yeah, 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 sorry, mate, you've got cancer. I would say, Clive, my doctor just told me I've got cancer. What do I do? So what do you do? Well, um, about two years after I got out of hospital and recovered, my dad's best friend got cancer for the second time, kidney cancer. And he explained that he'd already lost one kidney. He didn't have, he's down to his spare. He can't lose that one. And he knew what I'd done. And he slightly did what I did, but much better. He started taking 35 grams of vitamin C every day. 35 grams in divided doses. And when he did die 20 years later, it wasn't from cancer. So vitamin C... Vitamin C poisoning, let me guess. <laughs> So I, I would say vitamin C is the number one cancer cure. Then uh, cannabis is arguably number two. What, smoked or? Uh, ingested, preferably. Ingested. Skin cancers. Uh, the first time I recommended uh, cannabis oil, the, you know, the real stuff. Obviously, this was in a country where it's legal. It wouldn't have been here or anything like that. Um, got them to put some cannabis oil on their skin cancer. And... Um, a couple of months later, I was at a party, and this guy comes up to me and takes my hand and goes all over his face. And I thought, you're nuts. And he said, don't you remember me? I'm the guy with the skin cancer. It had gone, just with cannabis oil. So uh, I'm spelling that with a K, probably, for legal reasons. Yeah, well, you made it sound very easy, Clive, I have to say. I mean, is it, is it, is it that simple? Well, you know, um, there are always, you know, if somebody's got cancer, there are a bundle of reasons. 
they're going to be toxic, toxically poisoned, both probably mentally and physically. You know, everything happens for a reason. So if somebody's got some disease, no matter what it is, I believe it's happened for a reason. It could be that the person needs to change the way they live, change their diet, change their partner, forgive themselves for the past. You know, I was interviewing cancer survivors about 15 years ago, and I wanted to know what they'd done right. Because you know, the, the survival figures for cancer long-term are terrible, like you know, 3%. You know, people survive the first five years, but they don't often necessarily survive longer. And I was expecting vitamin C to be the big answer. You know, why did you get better? I took bums, but it wasn't that. It was gratitude. Almost all of them said, I, the chain from me going downhill to recovering was when I discovered gratitude, that I was grateful to the illness because suddenly I realized I've got to change my life. I've got to change my thoughts and so on. So uh, gratitude followed by forgiveness is one of the big things. But whenever I meet anybody who's got something like cancer, particularly cancer, you know, the heart people are generally quite hearty, but the cancer people tend to be depressed. And the first thing I ask is, do you want to live? Do you want to live? Because a lot of people actually are looking for the exit. But assuming people want to live, then it need not be so difficult, even if you've got stage four. You know, hundreds of thousands of people have recovered from what the doctors would say is impossible. Just we're self-repairing. Has anyone tried cranial osteopathy? I find it's really good, isn't it? If you, if you get a good cranial osteopath, they, they, they just work one. I've got this amazing woman at the moment. She's got this kind of healing, sort of psychic -y powers. And I don't think she's a Christian, um, but she's got some kind of faith. I don't know what it is. Um, anyway, I was, I was having my treatment, and for most of it, I was kind of dozing and stuff. And then in the last, because you, you, you don't always want to talk, do you? But then I started sort of gabbling about why I was interested in the Psalms and, and, and how, how amazing the Psalms are. And that the Psalms are like the Christian equivalent of magic spells. And, and when you say them, you sort of change the nature of the, of, of, of the world. And she said to me that as I was talking about this stuff, as I was talking about God and Psalms, there was a sudden massive shift in my, in my energy, which she, she could feel. Now, I suppose if you were a non-Christian, you'd say, well, that's just because he, he likes God and you know, it just makes him happy. So. But I would, I would contend that perhaps that, that God works wonders in that way. Where are you on that? Uh, well, my belief is that we're all one and that we're all ourselves expressing ourselves as the one. I think the one wants infinite possibility and we're all providing that. And, uh, you know, I, I believe we're being looked after. I've had a couple of things happen in my life where something took, over, took me over. I had a motorbike accident years ago and suddenly time slowed right down and I was able to observe my body untangling itself from the motorbike in midair and I found myself curling up into like a fetal ball and when I hit the ground very fast I didn't, didn't hurt myself at all and I was rolling, rolling, rolling because time slowed right down it seemed like minutes that I'd been rolling and I put out my hand and I got it ripped to shreds and I put it back in again something took me over I don't know what it was higher self, 
God, I don't know, but I, was, I, was, I wasn't doing any of this. And it, something effectively at least saved me from injury. Does anyone here, here ride, by the way? And does anyone here hunt? I had this, I had this amazing experience when I was out um, hunting last year. It was on a, a horse called Boris. And Boris um, was really annoying. He was very nappy. If you know what nappy means. Nap, nappy means that he, want, he always wanted to be with the other horses. Um, and, and sometimes it's very inconvenient. You're trying, trying to go in a particular direction and he wants to go where the horses are. Anyway, uh, we'd, had this, we'd had this day out. Um, and we're coming back to um, second horses, which is where you change. If, you, if you're really rich, you, 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 you move on to your second hunter. So it's, you're, you're on a fresh horse for the second part of the day. And we were galloping, galloping along the edge of a, a field, uh, along the hedgerow. And I was just going, you know, isn't this fun? Another horse, hunting, jolly good. Um, and then suddenly, I realized that I was not going along anymore. And what had happened, what, what I discovered afterwards, is my horse went into a hole. And anyone who knows about riding knows that, that, that falls on the flat are often, often the worst. It, it, there's something about it that, that, that you, you often have a really bad accident. And I went over the front, over his right shoulder, and I landed facing the other way on my left calf. So I must have done a, 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 a somersault in the air. I wasn't aware of this. And I landed, and all I had was a slight bruise in my, in my calf. Now, how, how is that even possible? How can, you, how can you do that? I think that must have been a guardian angel, no? I mean, it's weird. Anyway, sorry, hunting anecdote. So have we, have we done the, um, have we covered the big K? Is there anything else you'd like to add to that before we move on? Back in 2014, when I was working with UK Column as their health correspondent, we got told by the government we had 24 hours to take down all our videos. Mine apparently were, were too, um, what do they call it? Successful. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, I, I, even though I was doing Zoom interviews, Skype interviews, they said I was being too television-like and that people might take me seriously. And the government in 2014 told me that I had to give them my script, I don't have a script, two weeks in advance so they could approve my health message. And so at that time, uh, two things happened. Not only did we ha have to remove, they, they, they threatened me with a quarter of a million pound fine if I didn't take all my videos down within 24 hours. Who's, who's they? What, the what, government. What, what, what department? I mean, the, it was a quango of, of the government. Really, they were aiming at UK Column, not me, because UK Column were un, un exposing paedophilia in government and so on. So what outrageous. That doesn't happen. Who would have thought? No, no, it doesn't happen at all. Ted Heath didn't bump rent boys off on his yacht. No, never. So um, after I got taken down off YouTube, I decided, well, I'm going to start a private members club because behind a private members club, you can do whatever you like. So I started something called secrethealthclub.com and I basically started putting together what I thought were the remedies for everything in an A to Z. So if somebody had the big K, they should look under the big C um, and they will find loads and loads of articles and videos about how to reverse it. 
because it's reversible. If something comes, it can go. And there's a fantastic uh, book by a woman called Anita Morjani called Dying to Be Me. And she gets cancer, the size of a grapefruit, and dies. She goes through the white light, um, and she's, she realizes why she'd got it in the first place. Turned out that she was a doormat. She was one of these people who never did anything for herself. She always did things to please other people. And she had a choice of staying there or going back. She decides to go back, and within four days, her cancer uh, tumor shrunk in half because she's decided not to be a doormat anymore. Um, you know, so we are very capable of reversing things if we look at, why has this happened? What is the lesson I'm meant to learn from, from this? Because I believe that I think everything happens for a reason. So, vitamin C, MMS, and dye, and have a, a vision and then come back to life. Well, that's one way. Cures. But, I mean... Uh, magnesium is super important for every issue. It doesn't matter what you've got. Magnesium is probably the most important. Personally, I take, I took six today, uh, which sounds like an awful lot, but I've learned that that's what I need. Um, I can get anxious like everybody, and uh, I can burn off my magnesium levels. But you know, people say, how are you so calm? Because you know, people think I'm calm. It's the drugs. It's the drugs, it's yeah. The drugs. Uh, but primarily magnesium, because magnesium just relaxes your mind. You know, that's why somebody can be massively depressed. And very often within one day, the magnesium can sort that out. But very important uh, from a cancer perspective, as is iodine, absolutely vital. Vitamin D, you know, if in winter you, you get a cold or something, you're probably low on vitamin D in winter. And there's been research done of the people who take the optimum amount of vitamin D have something like 70% less cancer, 70% less vitamin D. How much is that going to cost you a year? 20 pounds for an entire year? They don't want you to know this. Can I ask everyone an impertinent question? Did, did anyone wake up too late to avoid getting the death jab? Anyone, anyone got the death jab in their system? We, or do we all, all escape it? Nobody's going to admit that here. <laughs> cool. But, but, but we've all, everyone here has got loved ones that they bloody wish had not taken that stupid sodding jab. I know I have, and yeah. What, what, what can we do to, I mean, how irreversible is it, that damage? Well, nobody really knows because nobody really knows whether, whether when they say what's in it, whether that's true or not. My feeling is that they gave an awful lot of placebos in the first one, and I reckon they've probably been experimenting in every country in the world. Let's give these suckers this one and these ones this one and see what happens. I think it's a massive experiment. But there are loads of things you can do. One of the really curious ones is it turns out that tobacco nicotine patches or nicotine gum seem to be uh, people who got you know damage from it um, are in some cases recovering like in 24 hours. Um, you know, why why is nicotine banned? You know why is it so expensive? It was a shamanic uh, tool all across South America. Could it be that tobacco actually has some benefits? Yes, they're putting millions of 
poisonous chemicals in the nasty stuff, but just maybe the organic tobacco is good. I'm sure it is. I mean, I, I, I think it, it should be... Surely everyone here has got the basic principle now that if they tell you it's bad for you, it's good for you. And if it's good for you, it's bad for you. I mean, it's just... just yeah. Um, I'm sure people have got questions that they'll want to ask you about their individual health things. But should we just have a, a quick section on what's going on in the world? Because I, I, I find that I was, I was talking to some people earlier and, and I was, people are sometimes having a go at me for not doing enough in, in this or that particular direction. Whereas I just think my job is to just make good podcasts and wake everyone up to the things that, you know, like Paul McCartney or whatever, I mean, you know, <laughs> satanic prime ministers. There's all sorts we can, we can cover. But I, I, I'm not the answer to everything. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm really not. Um, but I think we're all aware that our way of life and all the things that we imagined we were going to have ahead of us in the, in the, in the days when we believed in the, in the narrative, all the good things, you know, the happy retirement and stuff, we realise that's now off the table. Um, we're all going to end up, you know, probably in death camps or being guillotined for being Christian under Noahide laws or, or whatever, and we're kind of resigned to that. But what, 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 what's your plan? Well, what, what, how are you going to leave the distance, Brian? Well, I, we just have to say no. You know, at some point, enough of us... <coughs> you know, what, what's, what's the tipping point? Let's say now... 5% of people are awake, maybe. Maybe it's a bit more, hopefully. How many awake people does it take to change things? I would suggest that 70% of people are sheep and they'll just go along with whatever they're told to do. So maybe we just need another 20%, maybe. 15%, maybe. That, maybe that's all we need to change things. Because if we all decided, right, we're not paying tax anymore, we're not going to pay to put, have our car on the road, we're not going to pay to park, if 20% of us decided we're not doing it, well, maybe it could all fall apart. I mean, well, I think 35% of people voted for the current government. In my opinion, that means that we shouldn't have one. You know, if 51% if of people voted for a government, okay, if, if it's a democracy, we get one. But as most people didn't vote for government, what would happen if we didn't have a government? Let's, you know, when government goes on holiday at Christmas, do things get worse? No. It's only when they're working that things get worse. So what if they go on holiday at Christmas and we say, don't come back? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll call you, don't call us. Um, so what are we left with? We're left with, what, I don't know, a million civil servants? And all those civil servants have forgotten the definition of the word servant. Servant means you do nice things for the people who pay your wages. When did a civil servant last do something nice for you? You know, the parking, the parking wardens ought to help you park. <laughs> you know, I mean, imagine when the train drivers went on strike. What if instead of striking and making life inconvenient, they'd said, no need to pay for tickets today. Everybody can travel free. You know, so you know, there are simple ways, I think, that we can change everything overnight. I mean, if... If government employees, the civil servants, had the word servant redefined and that everything they did had to be helpful, well, things would change, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? they were, it's a lovely idea, but I have to say, 
I can see a flaw in it. Uh, uh, yeah, which is that, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fairly awake, I'd say. I mean, I'm fairly, and, I, and I'm, I'm quite brave, especially in the hunting field, obviously. Uh, but I, I would get so much shit from my wife if I, you know, didn't pay my taxes and we had all our things confiscated and I got chucked in prison. It, it, it would require all of us to be Spartacus, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, exactly. It has to be everybody deciding to do it. But where is, if you like, the, the leadership out there of, well, let's do it now. It, it, they've deliberately you know, stopped most people being on YouTube. So they've used divide and rule as they always do to split us up. See, the, I have to say, Clive, this is where I think that we Christians have the advantage over, over you, you, whatever you are, you're heathens. Because basically we, 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 know that we know that God's got this in the end and, and that the forces of evil are so, I mean they are, they're so multifarious and entrenched that really it's going it's to need divine intervention and it has been written so, it's going to happen. I, I, can't, I, I don't, I mean, who, who's with me on that one? I, I don't see any way out, you know, I think this is a spiritual war. And I, I'm afraid to say, I, I, I do say this to, to, to my normie, well, the people who are down, people who are red-pilled, who think they get it. But I don't think, if you see things purely in terms of the material, you don't understand what's going on. We're, we're talking about, about people who are descended from the people who, who, who are indulging in the Babylonian mystery religions. It's a war between good and evil. It's been raging since the beginning of, 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 of time, pretty much. And I think if you miss that dimension, you don't really understand what's going on. Well, sure. I mean, w what if we decided, let, let's say we all live locally here, to vote out the council and vote in our own people's council? You know, let's say the roads need fixing. Well, we could go online find a road fixer and fix it this afternoon rather than have the motorways blocked for 10, 10 miles for 10 years while nobody's working and doing nothing. I mean, you know, I, I think we could literally take over councils and uh, even if you had a table on the street with a pole, with a pole you know, write your name and address down, which council do you want, the, the present one or the new one where things will be probably half price? Well, I mean, I, I think you should try it in your, what, Wiltshire, is it? Right? Yeah, I'm in Wiltshire. Yeah, okay, well, the, that could be the epicenter of the revolution. Go for it, Clive. Except that every, all my neighbors don't like me and wouldn't I listen know. to a word I say. You know, somebody said, well, you should put on a local talk, you know, cure everybody locally. Nobody showed up. Well, I mean, I hear from my, my Dorset friends that this part of the world is, is, is it awake? Is it, is it pretty good? Who's, who's actually from around these, these parts? And who has met either PJ Harvey or Tess Derbyfield? Anyone? No, right. Because that would be quite exciting, wouldn't it? So one of those. Is there anyone else famous from Dorset? Is that it? The two famous people from Dorset. Um, do you want to, to ask us some questions? Is that a good idea? Ask Clyde some questions, ask me some questions, whatever. Uh, ju just before they do, let me tell you, did you know that green is the new black? So 
basically when people tell me I should go green, I see red. Then I get blue, <laughs> I get blue, and then everything looks black. So to counteract that, I usually have an orange. Oh, Clive, how long would it take you to tell your fish story? So when I was about 11, I got asked out to the Bahamas and I was in a, a dinghy with somebody and uh, the first thing, we were going fishing, right? So uh, I have terrible problems because it's a live maggot I've got to put, put on the hook and I really don't want to do it, but I have to. And the guy I'm with, he really wants to catch fish and I do not want to catch a fish. That Just putting the maggot on the hook was bad enough, but the idea of taking a, a hook out of fish's mouth was just horrendous to me. I didn't want to do it, uh, even though I can't like fish. And uh, anyway, so we both start fishing. He's caught 20 fish. I've caught none, not one. We switch lines. The moment we switch lines, and we've got a glass, a bucket with a glass bottom, so we can see clearly in the water, which is very clear anyway, what's going on. The moment the guy next to me touches the rod, the fish swim right towards it. And we could swap rods all day. He caught fish. I could not catch any. And the only assumption I could make was that the fish were reading my mind. The only thing I did catch that day was a bad case of sunstroke. Aliens, do you think they're real from, uh, from another planet? Or do you think, as I do, that they are just Nephilim? OK. Dangerous ground. Why? Why is it dangerous? Is it? Used to believe in aliens for a long time. When I was 16, I was out in the desert at just before dawn, and I saw this thing, like a craft, coming up from the ground in the desert, and it hovered there, and it went whoosh, like that. Just whoosh. And I thought for like 30 years that was aliens that I'd witnessed. I was positive about it. But now I don't think so. Now I think there are people living beyond Antarctica. Lots of people who live in the desert have seen flying objects which go impossibly fast. I mean, it's just one of those things you see in deserts a lot in America, all over the place. So where are, are we on aliens? Who thinks that they are from another planet? Oh, a, a big alien extraterrestrial a posse over there. Right. Why is that? Is, that? is it some sort of weird beam, a tractor beam maybe, that's going to beam you up. You're, you're going to have your um, anal probe. <laughs> time travellers. Okay, time travellers. Um, who thinks that they are Nephilim? Demons. Or, de or demons? And who doesn't believe them at all? Really? Wow, we've got a lot of bitterness and division in this room tonight. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry to end it, end our chat on that divisive note. Um, uh, okay, let's go for, the, go for the questions. What was the much people ages ago? Well, people ages ago ate normal food. You know, they grew it themselves. You know, but before transport, you had to eat locally, seasonally, and so on. You know, when, when farming started with grains, that's when we were first enslaved. That's when somebody come, came into our forest and said, this is our forest now. You know, if you don't like it, you're dead, and we'll teach your children that it's always been our forest, and kings and queens are normal, and, and so on. So th I don't think they were deficient. It's only the last 150 years. You know, 1850, they brought in the first artificial oil. You know, started selling cottonseed oil as a cooking material. They soon realized that was poisonous. I'm, sure, I'm, I'm taking kefir every morning, and the basis of gut health is a really great thing. It's just been I wonder if that's something you still understand. 
Okay, well, um, with kefir, personally, I prefer water kefir than milk kefir, and you can buy kefir grains on eBay for 10 quid and just make it yourself with water and sugar, burns all the sugar up. As far as dairy is concerned, there are two types of dairy. There's type A and type B, and because they want you confused, type A is the bad one and type B is the good one. So type A milk is like the black and white cows, the ones with huge, unhealthy-looking udders that drag along the road, and they make two or three times the milk that the real cows, Jerseys, Guernseys, that sort of thing, make. So the brown cows, as a general rule, are usually really healthy, and the white, black and white cows not. So if your milk is white-coloured, that's from Holstein, probably, and your great-great-grandfather would have looked aghast what is that stuff you're drinking? You'd say, it's milk. No, it's not. Milk's a creamy color. It's got a big layer of cream on the top and it's a yellowy color. So if you're eating cheap milk, you might say, then you've got a problem. Then if they fed the cows on grains, which they sometimes do, that makes the cow run an acidic body. So if you're eating that kind of dairy, that's going to be bad for you. Probably half the population of the planet are actually not designed genetically to eat dairy full stop. So I would recommend possibly muscle testing, kinesiology, to figure out, is, is it for you or not? Or give it a break and see if you feel better. But I, you know, I like dairy, particularly if it's unpasteurized uh, and raw. Um, uh, what you do with water kefir is you get the translucent grains and you dissolve a couple of teaspoonfuls of sugar in water, put the grains in, uh, leave it for a few days, and just like kefir turns milk into a sort of yogurt, it will turn it into a fermented drink that actually tastes quite nice. You leave it for a week or so, all the sugar's been burnt off and turned into the kefir itself. Well, I think it's more likely that the parasites are called into the body to make a correction. You know, people who are toxically poisoned with, with toxic metals, for instance, often they're riddled with parasites. And there seems to be a good line of thought that goes that the parasites are invited in to burn up uh, the toxins. But whether, whether it is parasites that caused the problem in the first place. It could well be. I mean, it could well be. Um, very difficult to say. But doing a parasite cleanse is a good thing to do. And on the Secret Health Club, there are loads of videos about what parasites cleanse to do, turpentine being a very interesting one that may surprise people. But meth methylene blue is a, a fantastic uh, anti-parasite. Well, MMS, when you combine sodium chloride with an acid, uh, uh, you get chlorine dioxide. Right, so would you say that the CTS is kind of a stable solution and things like that? Would you make that the same way? I, I prefer CDS to MMS, but, but they do the same job. CDS is just a little bit safer. I want to know, what is your little box of tricks? Okay, so uh, the lady is talking about this device here. Um, this was invented by Nikola Tesla in the late 1880s, 
and um, he first showed it in, uh, well, he, he gave lectures in 1891, teaching people how to build these. And in 1893, at the, the Chicago Exposition, he showed the first examples. And um, I was introduced to this by a medical doctor about 20 years ago that I was working with. And he said, did you know that Tesla had invented healing devices that fixed everybody back in the 1890s? And he persuaded me to buy one. And I found one secondhand that was an ex-hospital unit. And the very first person I fixed came out of pain immediately. And they'd not been able to drive for three months because of the pain. The second person I treated with the machine, they came out of pain immediately. And they'd been in pain for 20 years. And so I started teaming up with the very few people around the world who are keen on these devices. And I started getting them restored and supplying them to practitioners and individuals who want them. And I've got a video out there where I get 34 people out of pain in a row in less than five minutes each with a 100-year-old piece of kit. They are amazing. You know, I've used machines that cost huge quantities of money that are ultra-modern, but I've never found anything that works as well as some of these 100-year-old devices. And so, you know, they're not cheap, but they're not, not desperately expensive. Uh, I mean, recent things I've done with them, I had one woman who'd been in the eye hospital for three days. They'd given her all the drugs and the drops and so on, and she got an eye infection in the, in the center of her, her eye, and they said the probability is you're going to lose your eye, but if we give you six months of steroids and six months of antibiotics, there may be some hope. But after three days in the hospital, she wasn't getting better, so she came over to my place, borrowed a machine, used it for 15 seconds, six times that evening. She woke up at three in the morning and used it for another 15 seconds. And in the morning, she said it was 80% better. 80% better. Now, this doesn't, this doesn't mean it's going to happen every time like that. But some of the results I've had have been extraordinary. I had a blind woman in New York, and basically she could see again for two weeks. And when she came, she couldn't find where the chair was to sit down. Afterwards, she said, I can see every line on your face. But where it's really good at with, is with chronic pain. People have been in pain for years and years. And very often, people can come out. I mean, obviously, uh, there's a nutritional element as well. You know, if you go straight down to McDonald's and have a Big Mac or whatever, the problem might come back. But uh, the Tesla devices are incredible, absolutely incredible. You know, up until the Second World War, health had really moved forward. You know, the doctors, you know, I, I've learned loads of what I know from reading uh, books from the 20s and 30s. Because then, prior to the drug industry becoming absolutely major, they'd worked it all out. You know, these machines invented in 1891. By the time this one was made in the mid-1920s, they'd already had 30 years' experience with them. Uh, you know, so it's a well-proven well science. Uh, they had them in every, every big hospital in the world. You know, Guy's Hospital in London, they opened their electrotherapy department in 1843. John Wesley, you know, who built the chapels all over the place, he was using electricity to heal people 100 years before that. You know, it's, they don't want you to know about this stuff because 
this is a 1920s machine. Yes, I've restored it, but it still works. You know, that doesn't suit the business model of a machine that works and fixes people in five minutes, you know. They're, they don't want that. Well, that, I think a big round of applause for Clive. Thank you very much, Clive. Thank you.